morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got Gonzo, also known as Super G, joining us on this Friday. And we've also got Johnny Crypto joining us later in the episode, so I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Ripple is creating a testbed for digital dollars as a former government employee explains the true potential of the Hong Kong pilot happening today. As former SEC Chairman Bill Hinman is under fire this morning, as shocking details are revealed in new documents by the Empower Oversight Committee, shedding new light on past relationship between Ethereum founders and the SEC. Coinbase is seeking a dismissal of their ongoing lawsuit, citing Ripple's ruling as a defining factor. And with the digital revolution of a lifetime already upon us, we break down the details, showing our community how U.S. banks are creating the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Gonzo, it's not just me and you today. Johnny Crypto will be joining us later in the show. But regardless, we've got some great news prepared for our listeners. Before we get into it, how you feel, my friend? Thanks for being here. I'm feeling good, man. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Uh, you know, it's been it's it, since the shift change thing. It, it's been cool, man, being able to spend more time with you guys and and, and spend uh, a lot of time with people in the chat. You know, I, I missed you guys over the previous three months. I was talking to Shelly about this last night and we're, we're just super grateful and just super appreciative of everybody for everyone that's been with us at the beginning. You guys show up every day and, and we really do appreciate it and we love you guys. And, you know, we're just going to keep trying to bring as much content as we can. Looks like Johnny's making his way in. All right, but uh, it's going to be a great show. Awesome, guys. And we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by checking out our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Over 5,000 followers. Go smash that follow button. I'm always up there throughout the day. When we look at the Bitcoin fear and greed index, we're sitting at a 54 this morning. That is neutral, Johnny Crypto. And when we look at some of the daily movers, it's fairly split across the board. We got Casper up about 8%, RLB up nearly 17%. When we look at the Merlin market update this morning, we are sitting at 1.17 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 48% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 29,200. Ethereum, 1,800 and XRP having a very red week, sitting at 66 cents. And guys, we already got 142 live listeners here joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny Crypto, how you feeling, my friend? And what's on your mind? What a pretty page. That's such a pretty looking page right there. Uh, doing great. Found the razor. I got to take some hair off. But good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs. Hopefully you're all doing well. Love and appreciate you guys for showing up every single day. It is Friday, Ab, so happy Friday to everybody, although it's kind of crappy out. But uh, great to see you and Gonzo here today. I'm excited. Can't wait to hop into it. Absolutely, guys. And we're going to get this thing started with a pretty great video out of Brad Garlinghouse. He's explaining how back in the day they used to talk with the biggest banks on the planet about solving a liquidity issue. Well, we have a video today explaining how they've solved that problem. But we'll start with this, and then we'll get into the new content. Uh, and, you know, another thing I mentioned to David backstage uh, I was in talking to one of the largest global money center banks on the planet. And I was talking to them about our primary product, Fiat Fiat, called X Current. And it, this guy kind of interrupts me. He's like, yeah, 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 that's nice. But I have a problem settling into Peru. Can I use XRP to help me settle into Peru? And honestly, I was like, holy shit. Like, you know, here's one of the biggest <laughs> banks in the world who has more liquidity than almost anybody out there. And I'm not even trying to talk to him about crypto and digital assets. I'm trying to talk to him about the, the, the core of Fiat to Fiat. And, you know, he's already looking ahead and realizing that, look, th this is something that could help me solve a problem in Peru. And I don't want to necessarily hold currency in Peru from an inflation point of view or a regulatory risk point of view, compliance risk. So they're looking for other solutions. And again, if, if you solve a real problem for real customers, it's going to work out. You're muted. Oh my goodness, you just missed yeah. something brilliant there. I was about to say, Johnny, as you can tell, me, I don't know if it's my earbuds or you're muted. I'm like, oh, no, okay. no, just rookie mistakes here on this Friday morning. But Johnny, what I really was trying to say there is that he discussed crypto, but that was where the conversation naturally went. We said this for several months on our channel, and I'm sure you've heard it on other channels as well. When these first banks make a shift into digital assets, every other bank that's operating in the old system is going to be operating from a disadvantage 
And that's what Brad Garlinghouse is hinting here. Now, what we are going to show our listeners in just a couple minutes is a brand new video. This is just from last night from the uh, XRPL Digital Dollar Project in Palu. And they're explaining how it's a beta test for a possible global solution. I'm connecting those two videos myself. But what do you think, Johnny? Is now the time we see Ripple address the issue and figure out a solution to the global liquidity crisis? Well, I mean, I think that's what they've been working on. I think what's significant is what Brad just said. That's what what everybody should be asking is what bank is it? If he's talking one of the biggest banks in the world, that that's that's exciting news that the big boys are going to Brad and saying, yo, how do I do this? And the fact that they're asking, hey, can I do this in whatever country he said, Brazil, Peru, I forgot what country he said in South America. But the fact that they're asking, can we do this? And yeah, Bank of America is what I assume everybody's going to think, right? Um, I'm actually hoping it's not Bank of America because I already know Bank of America, you know, has some some favoritism, if you will, or some connection to Ripple. Let's hope it's another bank. So that would then be two banks that maybe are interested in Bank of America. I mean, I'm uh, sorry, in Ripple's technology and, and, and the ODL. So for me, God, I would love to know who it is. You know, so Brad's not going to tell us because it's obviously probably under NDA. But abs, that's the kind of stuff that I was telling you. That is exciting to me is the conversations are now happening. You're not going to hear who they are anymore because now it's under NDA. If you hear, you should be skeptical. If they're talking about who they are, that means they don't have an NDA. That means there's probably nothing serious happening. But when they're not telling you who it is, that gets me excited. Johnny, there's a lot of interesting narratives going on today. And you know what? For the sake of time, we're going to circle back to the Ripple content and get into our Ethereum content this morning. Because just yesterday, some shocking documents were revealed by the Empower Oversight Committee. And these are some details that we've tried to share on our show, but now they're coming from government officials. So check this out, guys. We already have 195 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And please keep it nice in the live chat. We're a loving community. Don't get too hateful out there. The new documents established yesterday by the Empower Oversight Committee outlined the hypocrisy out of the SEC back in 2018. Joseph Lubin and Consensus played a much more critical role in driving Hinman's thinking and goals during his controversial June 14th, 2018 cryptocurrency speech. Lubin also appears to have been responsible for bringing William Hinman and the Ethereum creator Vitalik Buterin together as the speech was being drafted in advance. Johnny, I'm going to pause it right there. That in and of itself is so illegal and so ridiculous that I got to give somebody smarter than me the floor. What are you thinking, Johnny Crypto? This is how the world works, my friend. I know you're, you know, in diapers. You're still a young baby growing up and not realizing. All right. Keep it respectful here. This is, no, no, no. I'm respectful. I love you. This is how the world works, my friend. Is You know, bad people do bad things and for money. And, and, and maybe I'm not saying he's a bad guy. I don't know a little bit from a hole in the wall. But obviously, he knew, you know, you talk about this all the time in Good Morning Crypto. He owned a shit ton, a shit ton of Ethereum. So there, there's no, and he had the connections with the right people to pull the right people together to take something he owned and drive it up, drive the price up so he can make a shit ton of money. And all his buddies were going to make a shit ton of money, too. I mean, it's no surprise. This is how the world works. The world is always working to try and. And make, now, the thing is, you're supposed to do it legally. And like you rightfully said, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of illegal shit going on. All this stuff here, collusion and, and doing all this. But the reality is it doesn't matter because nothing's going to happen. Nobody's going to jail. Nothing's going to happen. Nobody's going to get fined. Um, but the reality is, Abs, this is kind of, you know, sometimes behind the scenes. You know, and you talk to a lot of successful business people, they'll always tell you there's, there's backdoor deals and stuff happening all the time. It's just how the world works. Just a lot of times it's, it doesn't come to the light, to the forefront, like some of these details are now. And it makes you wonder like, oh, wow, what's going on here? And and who's policing this stuff? And will there be anybody held accountable? And, you know, the reality is it's all out in the open and we don't see anybody being held accountable. So I don't think anything ever will. But this is just kind of how stuff stuff works, Abs. John, so I'm excited to hear your opinion on this as well. And guys, this is not only the shocking information revealed about Ethereum. It goes much deeper when it comes to the ICO process. And we have a video corresponding to that later on. Lubin also appears to have been responsible for bringing William Hinman and Ethereum founder Vitalik Buterin together as the speech was being drafted in advance. Lubin and Consensus are a prominent third party and promoter of Ethereum, which is what makes this whole relationship so uncertain. 
Investors and attorneys closely associated with Ethereum were prominent on the list of a March 28th, 2018 meeting on crypto safe harbor proposal. So this is what's so shocking about the whole narrative, Gonzo. They went after Ripple. That's what's so ambitious about this whole thing. Not only were they giving Ethereum a free pass, they were shooting down the competitors in the process. And I really hope there's a day they have to pay for it. But I want to get your thoughts and then we'll move on to the ICO. Yeah. Um, so if you think about it, like, so uh, Ethereum did the original or initial ICO. There was no ICOs before that. And so this whole thing about conspiracy, I think you could just put that to, to bed. This absolutely did happen. And like Johnny says, highly unethical, probably illegal. We're not SEC lawyers, so we don't know exactly yeah, you know what laws were broken, but it, on the surface, it does seem like they broke some laws. But I, what I'm shocked about is that they even gave why they even gave Bill Hinman the SEC job to begin with, because when they came out with Ethereum and they were going to do what we now call the ICO, they leveraged his law firm to vet the process. What what can they do to kind of keep this within the guidelines that they had during that time, right? And Joseph Lubin. He leveraged all of his relationships in Washington and at the SEC so they can roll this thing out. That's how his law firm got involved. They saw what Ethereum was going to do. Then he gets the job at the SEC. They're all invested in it already. And then he makes the famous speech and this thing runs, right? And so the fact that they were all the law firm was already involved in the initial consultation for the ICO of Ethereum. So the fact that they gave Bill Hinman the SEC job anyways even though he was working for this law firm and the conflict of interest was clear as day at the beginning is, is surprising. But like Johnny says, like this is how like traditional finance moves. And, and these are the kind of backdoor deals that, that they always do. Right. Exactly. Gonzo. And here's some more evidence of those backdoor deals. We got 244 live listeners here. Show us some love, smash that like button and check out this latest video. Although this isn't new information, guys, I know the live chat is going to say this is an old video. It is very relevant to what's going on today. This is Joseph Lubin addressing what his lawyers told him about the Ethereum ICO. So first, our um, lawyers have requested that we never use the term ICO, <laughs> basically, uh, so that we don't have to talk to the SEC very much or, or can, can potentially speak with them much less. So first... So they got no problem talking to the SEC when nobody knows about it. But if they had to publicly talk to the SEC, that's when they have some real problems, Gonzo. I'm really interested to hear your take. What do you think about this whole process and all these new uh, details being revealed? Um, like it just like I was saying, it already just confirms what we already knew. Like, you know, usually, you know, you get these conspiracy theories and then you never like, kind of see the evidence that comes to light. And then it just kind of becomes a debate. But um uh, so this just kind of is clear as day. What we suspected is just being confirmed, right? Um, but the question is, do we think that anything's going to come of it? Um, I, I I don't think so. I, I think that ship has sailed. I think that, um, I mean, we could already, you could already even see in what happened with FTX and SBF, right? As the news has died down and mainstream media has gone away from reporting on it, they've already dropped two of the major charges against SBF. And we know that was straight up fraud. Now, I'm not saying that he might not do some jail time or probation or something, but you can see that the the initial spotlight that was on it and all the charges that were stacked up, they're starting to kind of fall off. And as the story kind of fades away and other things comes to light, I wouldn't be surprised as at the end of the day with SBF, we, we, we end up with a, a bunch of like just not minor charges, but a bunch of lighter charges. So the fact that no one's been charged, I mean, look at Enron, right? Did, has anyone, people lost billions of dollars right mm -hmm. there was all kinds of criminal shit that happened has anyone gone to jail over emron to this day nobody right so why would we think that anyone's going to go to jail or lose their job over this whole ethereum thing um i i i just i just doubt it right I just johnny and this is another document that i think i want to show you just before i get a response about this whole ico this is a uh let me remove this banner very quickly so this is a document that was revealed last night from John Deaton's Twitter account. On these documents, William Hinman is being asked about, did you have communications with any other SEC staff about the substance of your remarks in the June 14th, 2018 speech before you gave it? Well, 
He lied under oath. I don't know if he was under oath, but he definitely lied here. He said, no, not on the substance. Well, these documents revealed that that was a blatant lie from William Hinman. I don't know what that means. I've never seen this before. What does it mean, Johnny? It means that nothing's going to happen. It doesn't matter. You know, this is kind of, you know what this reminds me of, Abs? This is kind of like, almost like insider trading where these guys kind of set this thing up. They kind of knew they were going to pump it, pump and dump. It's like a pump and dump at the highest level uh, where, where they, they knew, you know, they had something big and they, they, they needed a speech to make it credible that then would drive and flood liquidity into it and drop it up. Um, but here, did you have communication with any other than the staff? I mean, obviously I don't know at that point in time without that day, you know, when did he actually speak to, uh lubin when did he speak to uh what's the other guy uh vitalik right he reached out to those guys or spoke to them and the question is maybe it wasn't on that date maybe it was the next day i don't know so maybe it is true maybe it is not true i don't have the details speaking Um, from the perspective of not being his attorney anymore johnny crypto and as a concerned investor why don't you re-give me that answer because you just defended him about these sec you said i'm not sure about the dates uh john deaton went through these whole went through the whole document and he said 100% William Hinman communicated with not only SEC's officials, but Ethereum co-founders in the same meetings, not at separate times, in the same meeting. So maybe that's new information. I'd like to hear a Oh, no, I misread this. I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize this is June 14th speech. I thought there was – and never mind. Yeah, no, there's no question this is 100% true. I was thinking this was a particular date in time. Before the speech, I didn't read that this was actually the speech. So, yeah, no, there's no question at all. We all know the facts. Nobody's defending ETH gate here. Get, get that. That's crazy. I just had misread it. But, yeah, no, 100%. 100%. No doubt about it. Complete lie. Right out of his teeth. You know, talk about lie. I got to put him on. Where is that? Where is it? You know, when, when you lie right out of your teeth like that, you get right to the end of the rat snake weasel list, right? We know that Hinman's on there anyway. But he definitely now makes the list really, really high at the top. That's a complete, utter lie. And again, the problem with all this stuff, Abs, is... Dude, this, no these notifications are driving me nuts, Johnny Crypto. Please mute at least one of them. And Gonzo, no, I'm going to kick no, it right to you this morning because I want to hear what's your take. Even if Ethereum has to deal with the consequences of an, of an illegal ICO, is that more of a concern for Lubin or should that be a concern for the everyday Ethereum investor? Um... You mean if the SEC goes after Ethereum? Uh, I, I don't. I don't think it's a concern for the for. It, it would probably be more of a concern for the investors, right? The people that are invested because the the price is going to pay for it, right? The the founders. You know, how often do you see a, a a founder get in trouble? They've already made their millions, like they were saying in the chat. You know, Vitalik sold the top, right? And so they they've got a shit ton of money. So I would say that the. Uh, the investors. The other thing that I was going to say, uh, Abs, is that you know Jay Clayton is mixed up in this, you know, also, right? Um, you know, they can't th- sit there and say, well, you know, Bill Hinman did this on his own, and that he was, you know, kind of like this black sheep that just did whatever he want, and they tried to give him advice contrary. Because Jay Clayton came out with his speech where he said to look at their website and that, you know, Bill Hinman was giving basically guidance. And then we all know Jay Clayton is the one that came out with the lawsuit against Ripple. So, you know, these guys are all interconnected and, and it's all kind of the, the, the same thing. And do you think it's going to affect their Ethereum ICO or sorry, not ICO ETF process? We talked about this article yesterday. I really like this tweet we got from Alex Cobb. It's an ex-CFTC attorney sees an XRP ETF potential amid the rampant crypto ETF filings. Now, why is this becoming more important by the day? Ethereum's reputation is being diminished while Ripple's reputation is on the rise. And I think an ETF is the most likely situation if you're talking about what's next for the token in and of itself. One of our listeners commented down below uh, during yesterday's video and said, there's already been a company and it's, I'm blanking on the name, but it begins with an A that has applied and said they would be launching an XRP ETF if it was legal. Well, now it's legal. Now the clarity is there. So What's more likely, in your opinion, an XRP ETF or an Ethereum ETF over the next 12 months? Um, you mean the application? I think you're going to get both. I mean, we already got the Ethereum ETF, the futures one, right? And so I, I think you're going to get an XRP one. Um, as far as like a spot ETF, uh, I think we're a ways away from that. Do I think that um, all the stuff that comes out with ETH is that going to affect the... Um, 
you know, the application process for these ETFs? Um, no, I, I don't think so because traditional finance is all mixed up in this and they want the ETF, right? So they, so that they can invest in it and they can make money. So, uh, but I still think we're a ways away. Like, you know, like I said, the dates for the Bitcoin ETF, uh, the deadline is until January of next year. Um, and so I, I, we're looking at next year after the halving, I would say, where, you know, we start looking at maybe uh, Ethereum ETFs and XRP ETFs. So I still think we're, we're a, a few months away from that. But I, I don't think that this is going to get in the way of that. I, I think those guys are still BlackRock's going to support it and they're going to come out with it. And you know, it's interesting, Gonzo, we actually have a, a, a tweet that's circulating on Twitter this morning from Altcoin Daily. And I guess a lot of people didn't realize this. BlackRock owns 8% of MicroStrategies. And this is something we've talked about on our show before, Johnny. But maybe this is what gives Michael Saylor so much confidence when addressing how Bitcoin will be globally adopted. He's got infinite money in his back pockets as BlackRock does own 8% of MicroStrategies. What do you think? Just really briefly before we get into our XRP content. How does this change your opinion on Bitcoin or, or MicroStrategies overall? Uh, I've already said that many, many times that, you know, this is BlackRock's way of having a piece of Bitcoin without owning a piece of Bitcoin. They're just doing it through Sailor. They have a huge exposure to it, obviously, because Sailor owns a shit ton of Bitcoin. And, um, you know, in terms of an ETF, to me, right now, nobody's going to go for a spot ETF right now. They're going to wait to see, in my opinion, What's happening right now with the BlackRock ETF? If the BlackRock ETF BTC gets approved, then you're going to see a shit ton of other potentially crypto ETFs being applied for. But I don't think anybody's going to rush to go do it now until they see what happens with the BlackRock one. And once it happens, you know, you may get individual ones. You may get a you may get an in, in XRP one or, or, you know, you may get an Ethereum one. But I said the other day, I think you're going to see more basket ones. You know, a basket, maybe, a, you know, maybe some type of like you have right now. You have a commodities one. You have a, a precious metals ETF. You got a banking ETF. You got an energy sector ETF. You may end up having something similar. in crypto. Maybe there's a whole crypto ETF uh, where they're all bundled in there together. And then maybe even they have a segment of crypto ETFs. I think in the long run, all that stuff is coming. Just when? I don't know yet. That's the timing is going to be interesting. Um, but I can tell you this. I don't think any of it's going to happen until we see what happens with the BlackRock one. Can I add something, Abs? Um, if you look, you know, they're both using the same talking points, right? They, they both refer to Bitcoin as kind of hope, right? International money. A lot of the talking points that uh, Michael Saylor has been using for years, that's exactly what um, Fink has been now using, the same kind of verbiage. Um, there was another point that I was going to make. Um, oh, as far as like, you know, we've all been waiting for this like altcoin season, right? That we, we, didn't, we didn't really get a big one and we've been waiting, you know, Bitcoin dominance has dropped. But if you look, we kind of had an alt season in the traditional finance world, right? Anything related. Uh, and this goes to like what Johnny's talking about, about being able to invest in micro strategies, because a lot of these ins institutional companies, institutional investors can invest in Bitcoin straight up because of the regulations that they have. But we kind of had an alt season, anything connected to crypto in traditional finance, right? So whether it was like the Bitcoin miners, it was micro strategies, all of those up were up a significant amount since the beginning of the year. And that's kind of where the institutional money went, right? Um, and so a lot of those are up like 150, 170%, which is a lot when you're talking about like that world, um, you know, that doesn't move in big swings like that. When you're up 170, percent that's that's quite a a, a big amount. 100, percent Gonzo, and this is a video I'm really excited to prepare for our listeners or show our listeners. But we got 295 people here. Show us some love. Smash that like button and let the algorithm pump this out to as many crypto people as possible. This is the latest update out of the managing director of the Palau CBDC project, which is built on top of the XRPL. And I want to give a shout out to the man who hosts these spaces. I believe his name is Mister Intuitive on Twitter. He does really, really awesome work. So you should go and check these spaces out. But here's the latest update on how what Ripple's doing in Palau could be a test bed for a global solution. Big question, Jay. Is this a test for Palau or could this be a test for the dollar on the world stage? Uh, I mean, that, that absolutely depends on the United States and, and what they want to do the results of, of our tests. I mean, for, for us, this is a Palau uh test it's it's our innovation it's it's our idea 
uh, to do this. Um, we have not had um, any success, I, I would say, in gaining uh, support from from any of the U.S. Uh, uh, agencies that, that normally uh, support these types of things. Uh, in, in fact, it's the U.S. banking system is, is kind of one of the reasons why this has gone. Uh, so, like we're we're delayed, like we were supposed to start in November of last year, um, and then you know FTX happened because uh, no one was regulating uh, them. Crypto winter came in all that stuff. And then uh, Silicon Valley Bank, we were going to launch in March. And then Silicon Valley Bank. That was rats. Happened. So we, you know, pulled back and, and both times we just focused on improving the solution design and, and uh, uh, educating the users and, and uh, the retailers. Well, Dan, that's fine. You keep you keep focusing on Palau. We're going to make noise for you because it's par for the course over here. Nobody wants to do anything. They don't want to adopt and get cannibalized and there's probably no regulations there just like there's no regulations here that that's that's correct yeah we're we're like our our pilot is very it's very limited it's limited to the executive branch i love what he said there was a couple of key statements within that document johnny or within that speech right there first thing is first the XRP narrative in America has annexed this market. They're not able to leverage these new technologies. And that's what the leader of this project was just elaborating on. They're forced to go to these smaller markets, perfect the product, and hopefully in the next couple of years, bring it over into these much larger markets. So that should be great news for every single investor in our live chat because that's validation of just how early we are. Gonzo, I want to kick it to you for some thoughts and we'll go to Johnny. Yeah, you know, we... we talked about this before when we talked about the Palau CBDC news and this is what they do with technology. They're always going to start like in a smaller version or maybe like a smaller country. They're going to show that it works and then they're able to sell it to bigger countries. And then just all they have to do is just scale it. Right. Um, and so I think uh, that that's always been kind of the plan. Right. And, and so they're, they're going to make this thing work in Plow, and then they're going to sell it to the rest of the world. And then all they have to do is just scale it and make it a bigger version, which is going to be easy because we're talking about CBDCs. But this is how they roll it out, right? I mean, there are other stories that I think we're going to talk about uh, where they're test piloting CBDCs. But, you know, this is what we've been saying for a, a very, very long time that CBDCs are coming, whether, you know, you like it or not. Uh, not that we love them, but but th they're coming and you're just going to see more and more news stories of uh, banks and countries that are doing test versions of these and then bringing these up online. And we also have an article referencing the Hong Kong pilot happening today, Johnny, because the reality is if the Chinese markets begin using this technology while the United States is annexing it, that's going to create a massive disadvantage in global trade. And there's people much smarter than me figuring this stuff out. So with that being said, I'd love to kick it to you. Yeah, for me, I mean, obviously, we know that they're going to do a trial there in Palau and see how that works out and be able to leverage the learnings elsewhere globally around the world, what it takes. But the thing to me that's concerning is you heard him say it right out of the horse's mouth, right, that the U.S. is not engaging at all. The entire U.S. system, the banking system, they don't even care right now or not. And that's, to me, unfortunate. You know, you want to see the U.S. system starting to look and play and, and be a part of this, and they're not. But the reality is, you know, the U.S. banking system is going to fall behind at some point as BRICS nations start to become. Oh, it's funny. There it is. As you have the BRICS nations that are going to start to kind of move to a more prominent area. And as we're moving more towards the, um, you know, to a, a new a new central uh, bank, not, not a central bank currency, but a rural reserve status currency. Having companies or countries like Asia and on board and leading the way on this actually might have more value. I can't believe I'm even saying this than the U.S. Now, not that that's the case today, but that's kind of where we're headed. And so, you know, the U.S. is going to fall behind on this. No question about it. But nonetheless, if we are seeing other countries getting involved in these trials like Palau with the XRP technology, that would be very, very um that would be a very, very big, a good sign for, for Ripple's technology, the ODL in the long run. I, I want to stay focused on this Ripple news, Johnny, but you broke down the global trade problem that we have today. And we got some breaking news out of Goldman Sachs this morning. As the Chinese yuan surpassed the U.S. dollar in China's cross-border payments for the first time in history. 
I don't want to bore people with the details because we're talking XRP right now. But this is one of the biggest advantages that China could have in this whole narrative. They're moving into CBDCs. They're leveraging themselves in global trade like we've never seen before. While for, for some reason, there's just infighting in the United States. We're debating regulation. We're debating the, the real use cases of this technology. The concern I have is how long until all these companies just go somewhere where they're accepted? They'll yeah. only put up with these regulators for so long. So is this a concern that you have with global trade? China on the rise while the U.S. dollar clearly falling on the back end. I mean, that's exactly what the stage is being set up to be played out. That's where we're headed. And abs, you know, I'm getting questions in the chat. You know, how can you say that the banks aren't engaging with Ripple, PNC, and BRU partners? Okay, well, they're partners, but what are they doing? All right, what are they doing? We, we, we know there's some patent stuff that ties them potentially together, but I explained yesterday that doesn't mean they're actually doing stuff. You know, and then, you know, they lie. They always lie. The U.S., of course, the U.S. is working on CBDC. Yeah, we didn't say they're not. What I'm saying is don't assume, and this is what I think a lot of our users are doing, don't assume just because the U.S. is working on CBDC that that means they're instantly using Ripple's technology. There's other other ways to skin a cat, and you're hearing and seeing a whole entire different system that J.P. Morgan's working on for CBDCs, and the other central banks that aren't using Ripple's technology are looking at other solutions as well. If everybody thinks that the whole world has one solution and every single central bank is working on CBDCs, I don't know what they're paying attention to, but they're not watching this show. I mean, Gonzo, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't get the sense that every single central bank in every single country is only evaluating Ripple's technology for the CBDCs and they're not looking at other technologies and developing their own. No, no, you're absolutely right. You've got multiple different uh, avenues, to, uh, solutions, right? You're going to have multiple CBDCs that are being built, X XLM, Quant, you have Ripple, um, you have what, like you said, JP Morgan is building. You're going to see what's going to be built onto the layer twos with ZK rollups, right? So there's going to be all kinds of, so the key is like, how do we find like what they're going to need? And, and this is why Johnny loves Quant so much, why we all love Quant so much. I love Chainlink for this, but you're going to need to find what is the connection point? What is, where are you going to be able to connect all of these CBDs together? And are we going to be able to leverage that? And that's what you're going to need. You're going to need that connection point. And that's why we love Quant or that's why we love Chainlink because they're building technologies that's able to connect all of these different chains and move value throughout all of them, right? Uh, the question just becomes like, are we going to be able to get a piece of it and be able to invest so that we grow with it in the wealth, right? Or do they, you know, lock us out in some kind of, private chain. And I think we're going to see a combination of all. I, I don't think it all is going to be private. I think there are going to be opportunities there, but we just have to be able to find them. I completely exactly. agree, Gonzo. And this is how we can identify some of these opportunities, guys. I want to show you this tweet by Cypress Domenicor, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. He said on March or sorry, September 20th through the 22nd, XDC Stellar Coinbase are hosting an event. And that's not even what caught my attention here, guys. Look at one of the speakers. Brad Garlinghouse will be speaking at this event, as well as Jeremy Allaire, Stuart Alderati, and a couple of other massive names, such as Brian Armstrong. So, Johnny, with all the, the powerhouse of crypto minds all coming into the same room, do you believe that Ripple is going to dominate the conversation here? Stuart Alderati is in the room. Brad Garlinghouse is in the room. But as you can see, this event is sponsored by XDC and Stellar. Very, very cool. I'd like to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think it's actually pretty cool. It's it's kind of I'm surprised Ripple's not sponsoring. Uh, they're not one of the sponsors on there. That's interesting that they're going to be there. But I mean, it's certainly going to be, <laughs> you know, there's going to be a piece of it. That, yeah, I mean, you'll see them in there. They'll be dominating, no doubt, their element of it. There's a huge. We all know how big the XRP army is, right? We're all part of it. We all love XRP. You know, XRP. Obviously, Delta Ghost in our chat room isn't paying attention. I don't know what that guy's doing. But he earned himself uh, uh, what he did, he deserved. But so the reality is there is going to be excitement around wherever XRP or wherever Ripple is talking or attending apps because of the huge following, the huge base they have, and the huge and, and the use case that the technology solves for. So there is going to be no doubt that I think you're going to see a ton of excitement uh, when those happen. Gonzo, what do you really think is going to happen during these conversations? Obviously, it's it's a think tank to discuss new ideas, discuss the evolution of technology, but I know we're going to get some clips for our show. So how do you feel about a lot of the most powerful minds in the space coming together? And for the first time ever, 
Brian Armstrong, Stuart Alderati, Jeremy Allaire, and Brad Garlinghouse will be at the same event. That is really, really exciting. What's it mean to you? You know, they're, they're very prominent people in our space. And so, you know, hopefully it's a good thing, right? Um, you, you know what I was thinking about when you were talking about all, all of this abs is, you know, the, the longer, uh, the longer that I stare at the damn chart and the more that I study, you know, TA and stuff like that. And I'm talking about XRP and price action, right? Cause we always talk about like all these news and stuff. And, and we always thought that it was the lawsuit, right. That kept it suppressed. But the more that I look at it, the, the more like that you see that there's like, there's suppression in the price. There's some type of manipulation. And all you have to do is like, look at XTC, right? Look at XTC coming off of its bottom. We're up 300%. And that was just an on news on the trade finance thing, right? We had uh, Quincy on all XRP. We didn't even do hundred percent off the bottom, right? We did like 93%. And, and you, you would have, and we talked about this, right? Like there was a lot of expectation that after the lawsuit was resolved, that we were going to get some significant price movement. And we've gone back down to kind of retest that support at 65 cents. So uh, it, it's just, um, it, it's just frustrating, right? Because you see all these things being built, but yet it doesn't translate to price action, right? And so it leads me to believe that, you know, we're still getting suppression in, in, in the price. Um, so, this is a video all of our listeners should see when you talk about price suppression and the use cases coming to the XRPL, this video does a great job breaking it down. And for anybody who doesn't recognize this man right here, this is an X three letter agency employee. And like they say, once you're part of these three letter agencies, you're never really late. You never really leave. But this is somebody who allegedly left and he's breaking down the use cases about Ripple and the pilots they're running today. And I just kind of wanted you know, and soldiers and also the Palau people, and it, it does bring a lot of benefits. I'm, I'm wondering if this is kind of like a test bed for a digital dollar. How would that look like? What, what's your opinion about that? Yeah, I don't, I don't think you're wrong at all. I would say it's more than just a test bed, though, right? If you consider, consider the U.S. and what the U.S. has to lose. So the United States is the undisputed economic superpower of the planet. Nobody argues that. Nobody argues that today in 2023. Everybody argues whether or not they're going to retain that financial power in 2030, 2035, right? The backbone of the American GDP is in financial services. In excess of $2 trillion a year, our, our import-export uh, productive revenue that comes to and through the United States, which is about 8% of all GDP of the United States, comes just from financial services. Financial services don't manufacture anything. They don't, they don't cost any kind of you know, raw material, natural resource. They barely even have labor costs, right? We're just talking about innovations and technology that we create and we control that handle the transactions of the world. The UK has modeled itself off of the United States and become essentially the financial services capital of Europe. So our success, basically making money off of the handling of money is what has made us a superpower. And it's and that's where I want to pause it before we play the end of this clip, Johnny. We got 343 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And what he just broke down is so important because we just had the conversation prior. The U.S. became a global superpower because of the monopoly they have on money. That monopoly is crumbling before our eyes. And I think this man is breaking it down. And he's about to describe how Ripple could play a role in the future. But I just wanted to get some comments from you, Johnny. What do you think? What does this all mean to you before we continue? Well, let me just start out by the U.S. became a superpower, not, not because of the, the, the financial money. It was because of our industrial revolution. We had manufacturing. Manufacturing, when you're a country that produces an actual product and you create real GDP, that's what it really starts from. That then enabled us to become the financial leader in the world. Now, who has all the manufacturing? Uh, China. Sorry. Exactly. So what's the next thing to come after the manufacturing? The monopoly on money. There you go. And who's going to get it? Ripple. And this is why I've been saying Ripple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ripple. That's what I was going to say. Ripple. now you see why I've been saying for years, why I feel that, you know, investing in the Chinese yuan and in the, in the yuan becoming probably the biggest part of if there is a if we don't end up shifting to another world reserve currency a single one which would be the one in my opinion if we don't and it goes to a basket the one is going to be 
a large chunk of that because at the end of the day, it, he who owns the manufacturing runs the world. That's just how it works. And yes, go watch Changing World Order by Ray Dalio and you'll also see how it works. You'll see that all those countries were powerhouse manufacturing powerhouses that then sold themselves to a cheaper nation for cheaper cost of goods. And they basically lost their power. And we sold out too in 1995 when we, when, when the WTO organization uh, trade organization was done, that opened the door to let China take over the manufacturing for lower cost products. And basically that's when the passing of the baton started. And as this man said, somebody says a Palo Malo fan. Uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, the, as, as he stated, the, will the U S continue to maintain it into 2030 and 2035? That's when I've always heard that that's when you'll see China take the lead, like 2033 or something like that. So I, I don't think the U.S. will maintain its power. It can't. It doesn't make anything. We are not a nation. We're just a services nation. And the one thing left, as you rightfully called out, is financials, abs. And that's going to be going away, too. So you can see hard times will be ahead, I think, for the U.S. Now, that's not to say that, you know, all the other countries look, you know, who lost their power, it's not like they're going to they're gonna go away. It's just the lifestyle for the civilians has changed because of inflation and other things that happen when you're no longer the world reserve currency. So that is something that Americans are going to have to prepare for. What we're trying to do here is make sure we're investing in these rails of this new system to hopefully avoid some of that pain. Can I ask you one quick follow up before we play this clip? Obviously, I believe and I think there's many other people who believe this. If we become the central hub for blockchain payments, we can maintain our monopoly on global currency. Do you agree with that statement that if we were able to, I guess, become the, the hub for crypto, that could save us at least for another decade or so? Um, the hub for crypto. You know, I think at the end of the day, it's what's flowing through that hub that matters. And so, I, I you know, I think that's the problem is what's going to flow through it won't be uh, the U.S. dollar, it's going to, you know, and we know we're not going to be the crypto hub. We've already said we're not taking the lead on this. We're, we know that London and Dubai and Hong Kong and all these other areas are Singapore. The, are Singapore, thank you, are taking the lead to become the crypto hub. So we've even lost that advantage. So it just doesn't look very promising, you know, at the end of the day, if, if you want to, you know, if you want to look at what's really happening. You see that the U.S. is kind of slipping behind here, Abs. Again, but what you got to say to yourself is, okay, what do we? What can you as an individual retail investor do, right? And that's what we're doing here as we're looking at it and we're saying, hey, how do we invest in some of this technology that's coming the way it came in the, in the days of uh, the internet? You could have made a shit ton of money and changed the, the financial trajectory of your, of your family, and putting yourselves in generational wealth if you had invested in the right things, Abs. And to me, that's where I try to always look for the silver lining. And I encourage everybody out there in our chat room and who watches this show, do the same thing. Educate yourself. Know what's coming. All right? Don't be in denial because you're gonna then you're going to end up getting slapped hard when it comes in because we all know what's coming. But then look at where do you invest to put yourself and your family in a, in a position so that when that day comes – you can minimize the pain or maybe transform yourself into, uh, you know, put your family into huge generational wealth. And Johnny, we are going to play the remainder of that clip, but here's a positive spin I can put on this whole narrative. The Digital Dollar Project completed a CBDC retail remittance pilot with Western Union. Very familiar bank we have here. Why is that important for us? Ripple to participate in a Digital Dollar Project CBDC sandbox program. This is an article from September 2nd of 2022, but we are going to connect these later in the episode. But right now, I'm going to go back to that XRP Darren clip where he's breaking down how Ripple could actually be the savior for, I don't want to use that terminology, could help America maintain its monopoly. Technology that we create and we control that handle the transactions of the world. The UK has modeled itself off of the United States and become essentially the financial services capital of Europe. So our success basically making money off of the handling of money is what has made us a superpower. And it's what has made the UK a leading institution, a small country with a, with a very large GDP. When you look at China, what is China trying to do in Asia? 
the exact same thing. Predominantly, the center of financial power has been Hong Kong. Well, guess what China ingested in 2019? Hong Kong, right? So you can see China is trying to follow suit and replicate the same model that it saw in the UK and the US. So now that we're on the verge of a new kind of currency, cryptocurrency, once again, we have this technology that nobody debates and nobody uh, says will not rule the future. Everybody is looking at cryptocurrencies as the direction of the future, digital currencies as the future. The question is just how will they be implemented? How will they be used? How will they be valued? Now, the U.S. can't afford to just reject it outright. I mean, that clip pretty much speaks for itself. Open floor before we kick it to Gonzo. I mean, this guy sounds like us. I mean, I couldn't agree with him more. But as he says, the U.S. You know, can't reject it outright. The problem is they're not rejecting it. But we also know we're not leading it, Abs. We're moving very slow in this thing. And he just told you literally what we just said, right, that Asia is taking the lead. And China wants to be that world. They want to own that. They want to own this piece going forward. And the sad part is they're in pole position, Abs. They own all the manufacturing in the world. They are in the most lucrative position. And they're leading away with CBDCs and the cryptocurrency space. They've done everything possible to put themselves in a good position to win. Right. And what has the U.S. done to combat that or put ourselves in a good position to win? Hire Gary Gensler. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, you know, I I shouldn't even laugh because that that is a serious question. Ask yourself, what is the U.S. doing to take the leadership of crypto? We can't even get a bill passed in Congress yet. That's still going around two years. Guys, how long has that bill been passed around in Congress trying to get crypto regulation? At least a year or two we've been talking on this show. We can't yeah, even get a it's bill been a while, but like this is the furthest that we've ever come. I, I guess it just becomes a question of, you know, when you talk about China, like they're they're not without their issues, right? Like you look at the government, the communist government and stuff. I mean, they were banning crypto just uh, a little while ago, right? Except for for Hong Kong. So it just becomes a question of, is the world really going to trust the yuan as the world reserve currency, right? That's the big question that needs to be answered. Because it's still controlled by the Chinese government. And the do world, they trust the Chinese government, the right? World has, or, the world has or, trusted China to become the number one manufacturer of the world. That's so true. The world's already put the trust in them. I mean, <laughs> right? And think about it. That's they one own, one thing is the manufacturer, and the other thing is is money, right? Or do we end up with some kind of like new world reserve currency that's maybe a basket yep. of, of, of different currencies? I you know, maybe so. we end up with that. Um, you know we're falling farther and farther behind, but, you know, like I said, you know, China banned cryptocurrency just a little while ago. So it, it, I don't think it's ever too late. I mean, it, we're definitely not taking the lead when you see how the internet was evolved and you see the big tech companies that came out of it, that all happened in the U S and that's because we led that. Right. And we're not leading this, this, this next evolution of the internet. So it just becomes, you know, can we can we catch up or not? And and hopefully we can, you know, but but like we were saying earlier, the the biggest problem is that the left and right has become the left and right. And instead of doing what's best for the country, what's best for the people that put them in power, they sit there and they bicker. They're also like not to be, uh, you know, I guess, ageist or using ageism. But like when you look at how the votes went down uh, in this whole thing that happened with the House, you can see that it was the older generation that was like fighting this thing and still arguing while the younger ones were like for it. Right. And so we really need to look at that as a society when we're looking at, you know, who we vote for uh, into the Senate, into the House and into the next presidency. You know, I, I think we really need to look at that because it seems like when you look at, at the way that um, our government is built, some of these people look like they should be, and I'm not trying to talk shit, but they just look like they should be in a retirement home and they need to kind of, we need new blood. We need new, um, new innovation, not just in, in, in like the financial system, like we always talk about, but like in our government, right? We just need new blood. We need a new way of thinking and, and we need a, like a transition point and, you know, hopefully we get there. It is very interesting. I think we need new incentives for Congress members as well. There is a great quote from Warren Buffett. He said, if 
if we put a uh, ceiling on U.S. debt where after after a certain limit, Congress was going to be fired. I can't remember. I'm going to misquote it here, guys. I apologize for that. But we do have some really good information I'd like to show our listeners. This is something really briefly I'm going to go through. An airline company officially accepted XLM Stellar as a method of payments for their flight. Now, Crypto Geek, this is fake news media right here, and I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. This is a very, very old pilot and a very old screenshot. But what I do think is important, Johnny, is how long until we see currencies like XLM and XRP incorporated into these apps it's not very far away. Earlier this week, we covered how Uber was planning to add crypto. Elon Musk has hinted that X could someday offer currencies. When do you anticipate we see a major adoption phase where airline companies are accepting Stellar, for example? Ooh, you know, this reminds me of the times when we were wondering which Bluetooth technology was going to get chosen. And what you saw was you saw a lot of companies like Apple and all them waiting. They were all, nobody wanted to make the leap and dive into picking. There were like, 11, I can't remember. There were like 11 different Bluetooth technology, not Bluetooth, but wireless technologies that we were looking at back in the early 2000s. And eventually, so we're all wondering who's going to win, who's going to take this over. And that went on for a couple of years, Abs. It took a while before finally a few bigger companies formed an alliance. And they said, we're going to use we're going to use Bluetooth. And I think it was Apple and a few other. Once those few big boys make that decision, that's usually what drives something to then go and say, okay, well, hell, we're all going to go that way because the big boys are going that way and everybody's going to do that. I kind of feel the same thing is going to happen here. You're going to get a few stragglers. You're going to get some small things and people playing around with these different technologies and embedding a couple crypto different currencies to play with and try out for payments. But... Until we get a little more maturity and down the road in this space, and one or two or three big, big that's right, Abs was in diapers, thank you. Uh, uh, and we get a few big players that say, you know what, this is what we're doing. We're going to make it XLM, or we're making it XRP, or we're making whatever cryptocurrency they decide. Okay. And they have a big enough mass volume of people behind it. That's what's going to drive that. And that's going to be, in my opinion, still a few years away. Before that happened, we are just so much, we are so early in the beginning of this thing that it's going to take some time for all these things to work out. But I see a similar kind of thing happening if I had to guess. And I would say we're still a few years away before that's going to happen, where you're going to see the one or two or three dominant cryptocurrencies going to play. But until then, you'll see a few popping up and they're going to pop up and then they're going to die and go away. Gonzo, I want to get your thoughts on this as well. A very short article I wanted to show our listeners. So yesterday, Bitstamp had one of the most overhyped announcements of the year. As they said, level up your XRP with a permanent 2% APY. Now, what's so interesting about this announcement, guys, is you can't stake natively into the XRPL. So the way they're earning that 2% interest in perpetuity is they're lending your XRP. So they're lending out your XRP. They're probably making 12, 15, 25%. And they're going to give you a nice 2% on the back end. But Gonzo, I want to hear your thoughts. What do you think about this whole announcement? Look, dude, do we ever learn, right? This is what got us into trouble in the whole 2022, right? It was leveraging and, and like loaning out. This is this is the same model that's coming back that we saw with Celsius, that we saw with Voyager, that we saw with BlockFi. Now, and, and so I'm not saying that there aren't time and places to do those kind of things. Usually probably in a bull market, you're safer, but like, we're still kind of, we might still get a major correction in Bitcoin. In fact, I know we're going to get a major correction. It's just the way that it happens before the Bitcoin halving, right? And so we're still going to get a pullback. We still could get a pretty significant pullback in the altcoins, right? I've seen estimates between 12 to 20% more of a pullback. You know, Bitcoin dominance might rise and that might drain the altcoins. Um, so until that kind of settles, uh, I, I, me personally, I wouldn't be, unless I'm staking with a validator and securing a network, uh, I wouldn't be doing things like this where they're lending out because something goes bad and then you lose all your XRP. And so you got to learn from the past people. That's all I got to say. And for what, for like 2%, like, unless you have a significant amount, it's, it's not really not that it, it's not worth the risk. Not right the risk. now, if you're a whale, maybe like 2% is something, but it, it's just not worth the risk to me. Agreed. 
Johnny, I'm going to go quickly because I want to get this article in as well. Yesterday, Coinbase asked the judge to dismiss their lawsuit when it came to the SEC's filings. And what's so interesting is they cited Ripple as one of the defining factors for the dismissal. In Ripple, the institutional sales that the court found qualified as investment contracts were pursuant to written contracts for further delivery. Obviously, that's not what Coinbase does. And they're citing they're obviously not offering unregistered securities. Well, how important do you think this is? How likely is it that Coinbase gets dismissed against the SEC? Well, I mean, this is exactly what I would do if I were an attorney. I would absolutely leverage the ruling of that case and put it against and say, hey, the judge already said. I mean, it's brilliant, smart on their part. I'm not an attorney, so I can't give you a perspective of whether I think this is going to pass or fail. But it's certainly 100% the right move to make is take the current ruling and leverage it to your to your advantage to say, hey, the judge already ruled on this and said programmatic sales are not a security, so why are we here? I mean, it's brilliant, and I hope they do win it. I, I want to see this put to the end. I'm tired of cryptocurrency being smacked around under the under the you know for all these little things. And if they do win this, that would be great. Let me tell you why that'd be huge, is because then what it does is. Almost any exchange that they want to go. Remember how we said the way they were doing Operation Showpoint was going after the exchanges to shut them down? Well, it's going to be very hard to go after the exchanges if Coinbase gets just thrown out based on that ruling. And then that would make the XRP ruling even that much more better because then, we, as we've said, it doesn't just help XRP, but now it actually helps the whole entire industry. That's freaking huge, Abs. Huge if this happens. Yeah, you know, definitely it's the right move, but I just don't know how this system works. I can tell you, I can speak personally with the criminal justice system. These kind of things always move forward, right? You always get what's called like a prelim where the judge looks to see if there's sufficient evidence for the case to move forward. And it's a very, very minimal amount of evidence that's needed for it to move forward. Now that's in criminal. This, this works differently. So I'm not sure how it works. Like if judges just usually just let it go forward and let it play out. In, in, in you know in court or or through the decision process but yeah it, it would be awesome you know the, yep. the timing of it especially going into next year and the next bull run but uh you know we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens and guys we're gonna go rapid fire for this last topic but we got 335 live listeners here show us some love smash that like button yesterday the digital dollar project completed a cbdc retail remittance pilot with western union the project simulated transfers to customers of BDO Unibank, which was in the Philippines, with improved settlement time, cost, and transparency. The digital dollar project announced this payment would be simulated using a retail central bank digital currency, and Western Union would send that money to BDO, which is located in the Philippines. A simulated central bank digital currency to an e intermediary bank, which then provided access to Western Union for remittance to BDO. Now, why is this so important? The whole concept here was to test real-time rate by third-party oracles. So third-party oracles, we've got a Ripple connection here as Ripple was already participating in this project and they do have connections in the Philippines as well. So I know we're short on time, but I just wanted to quickly address this issue. If we're looking at the digital dollar, this could be the solution for Ripple. This is how you get your foot in your door in basically every single country, Singapore, Palu, Philippines, the list can go on and on, but retail investors using CBDCs was the focus of this pilot. So very interesting. Any brief remarks here, Johnny? No, I just think you just hit it spot on. I mean, it's nice to see that Ripple's part of it. Hopefully their portion of the technology was used. What's important to know is what portion of this test, what, what technologies was used during the portion of the test, and that's what we don't know. That's what I'd like to find out. Thank you so much, guys. And we got 349 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I want to give you a quick Merlin update before the end of the show. We are still accepting people for our beta testing. We finished phase one of our beta testing, perfected 90% of the bugs. Now we're bringing it out to a larger group of people, and that's what we're excited about. So if you're interested in using this product, 30 days absolutely free. You're looking at it on the screen, the smartest way to track your crypto. But guys, I want to say thank you. I hope everybody has an amazing weekend. Johnny, I don't know if you had any closing remarks. And then yeah, I can close Abs, if I can, just to let you know, we are excited. We are moving into the final phase. We are actually going to be launching Merlin next week to the waitlisters. So congratulations. If you are on the waitlist, 50 of you will have a chance to be on there. If you're not on it, sign up. Get on the waitlist now because after those first 50, we'll be opening to more and more. 
if you're on the wait list, you will get early access to Merlin. So we, we invite you to come and sign up. Link is below. And I know how professional this product looks, guys. This was created by our team. That's why we're endorsing it. Merlin is our product. That's what's so exciting. And 346 people here, show us some love. Smash that like button. I wish every single one of you a great weekend. Like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thanks for joining us. Let's go.